Well, good morning. Happy New Year. It's a new first, new beginnings. I'm excited. I didn't know Tom could preach announcements. That was pretty amazing. <laughs> I want to just start off by um, just saying how much I love City Church. Um, really, um, I, if I did not have the honor of being a pastor here or a pastor anywhere, I, this would be my church. And, uh, and I mean that with my whole heart. Uh, while I was on sabbatical, I had an opportunity to visit other churches in the area and churches across our nation via satellite and, and all of that. And it really reinforced why my family is here. It really enforced reinforced why I'm here, why God has called me to Madison into City Church, and I love it, and I love being here. There was this last week through Christmas, um, I was just full of joy. I just loved coming and seeing everybody, and I was just thrilled that I'm a part of City Church, so thank you. I want to pray, and then I'm just going to share what God has put on my heart over the last few months. Father, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for who you are, who you've called us to be. And now I ask, Lord God, that you would remove me, that you would speak through me, that you would touch our hearts, that you would challenge us in such a way, God, that we would know that 2016 is a year of new beginnings, a chance to start over, an opportunity to try something new, an opportunity to make you first place in our life. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, for those of you who don't know, I had the honor of having October and November off on sabbatical, and I had a whole list of plans and things that I was going to do. Um, in fact, in August, I started that list, and it just got bigger and bigger of how many books I was going to read and the places I was going to go and the mountains I was going to climb, the people I was, gonna, I was uh, going to visit, all of these things that I was going to do. And um, something in me had me just contact people, friends that I loved and respected, and just said, hey, if you've been on sabbatical... <laughs> What, what advice could you give me? And then I contacted other friends and just said, hey, what books would you recommend? All, all kinds of things. And um, I had several of my friends give me advice and just said, you know what? Don't have any plans. I was like, well, what do you mean? And just, just wake up and do whatever you want to do. You know, if you want to sleep all day, watch movies, if you want to go someplace. I'm like, well, all right, whatever. I, I'm pretty good at just flying by the seat of my pants. And so um, I erased my list. You know, I was like, okay, I'm not, I'll, I still had all my books and everything and I, all these movies and all the stuff that I wanted to do. Um, but about two weeks before sabbatical started, I went into this weird state that I've just never been in before. Uh, I came into my office and I was just I was just dead. I was empty. I was discouraged. I was frustrated. I was it was just ugly, and I just shut my lights off. I locked my doors. I put on worship music, and I, I just wept. I didn't understand anything. I was just in a, at a loss for anything. And uh, the next day, the same thing. I just couldn't get 
motivated. I couldn't get into anything. I was, it was just empty. And uh, it, I, it was basically two days of agony for me. I just couldn't figure out. I was in this funk. And, um, and it felt like death. In fact, I wrote in my journal that sabbatical equals death. Um, <laughs> It's what it felt like. Uh, it was just, it was very real. It was very ugly for me. And um, the next day I came in and I felt that same way. And I sat in my office and then I got up and it was just pitch black. And I turned my music on and I apologize, Andrew. I turned my music up and I've got, it's just loud. And he's right next to me. And I just paced in my office and... And the, one of the verses that I say on a, on a pretty regular basis is 1 Corinthians 15, 31, where Paul says, I die daily. And I just uttered those words, and I felt God say, that's what I want from you. I want you to die. To give up everything. So... In that, in that moment, I just confessed, it's yours. I lay it down. I laid down youth ministry, city church, everything that I knew. And I just gave it up. I said, it's yours. The worship got louder. <laughs> the joy came and I just felt relief. And at that moment, I had no idea what was next. But I knew I was willing to let it all go. It's, st it's still scary. <laughs> uh, so I said, God, activate is yours. City church is yours. I lay it down. I die. And uh, just a flood of emotions but freedom came. And uh, whatever God wanted to do in me was fine, and I was ready. And so at that moment, I had no idea what the sabbatical was going to be about. And uh, some people know me better than I know myself because the sabbatical was extremely hard for me. <laughs> uh, I just don't do alone very well. I don't do not doing anything very well. And so there were moments um, during my sabbatical that it, I was literally depressed. I was just very discouraged and down. I, I tried not doing anything for a whole day. And then, <laughs> I mean, I slept in. I drank as much coffee as I wanted. I watched movies. I took a nap. I read books. And then by the time my wife, Sarah, and Spencer came home, I was so discouraged that I did nothing. It was hard. Um, so during the sabbatical, it was really defined, some defining moments, and I don't have time to go into all of it, but there were some defining moments in my life during, during that time. Weeks in, um, <laughs> I couldn't stay home on Wednesday nights because Sarah would go to youth group and Spencer would go to youth group and all my leaders, everybody's in youth group except for me. And that's where I wanted to be most. And so I had to go do stuff because it was just, it was driving me crazy. Um, and so I would go do things. But as soon as I knew that Activate was over and 
Sarah and Spencer would get home, I would be home, and then I'd want to find out how everything went. It was, it was horrible. I'm just being honest, completely vulnerable today. Uh, it was bad. And so a few weeks in, I was, um, I can't remember actually, I was away from Madison. I was either, I, I was down in Kansas actually. And um, this, it just came to my mind. It just came to my heart. God doesn't need me. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a, uh, a really depressed moment. It was just God doesn't, God doesn't need Derek. And in that moment, the reality hit, City Church doesn't need me. And the song, I don't know if you know, uh, the song from the infamous David Lee Roth, Life Goes On Without Me, this came into my head. <laughs> and... Uh, but the moment that came into my head, God spoke very clearly to me, and I wrote it in my journal. And this is what I wrote down. He chose me. He delights in me. He wants me to succeed. He's prepared me, positioned me, and is pleased with me. Well done. He's positioned me, he's placed me, prepared me, and pleased with me. He doesn't need me. He desires me. And that was a defining moment. I'm not very confident in a lot of things. I come across confident in a lot of things because I learn quickly. I have natural talents and abilities. But I'm not confident in a lot of things. I was not very confident as a new husband or a new dad. Uh, I wasn't very confident. My first message that I ever preached in a church before people was 12 pages long. I was done in 12 minutes. <laughs> I just, there's some things that I just don't have ver uh, a lot of confidence in. But the one thing that I have relied on in 2015 was this verse that is our verse today, this one thing that I could count on over and over. I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a work in me would be faithful to complete it. And when there are times in my life when I feel like I'm incompetent, I cannot do it, I don't have the confidence, I don't have the strength, this verse would come to mind. I don't have to be confident in myself. I am confident of this one thing, that Jesus, who started this work in me, will be faithful to complete it. Amen? Amen? Every day of our life, we have a choice. We can focus on the obstacles that are before us. We can keep our focus on our relationships, our job. We can keep our financial situation ever before us, our marriages before us, our struggles, our hardships, our pain, whatever scenario that we're going through, we can have that before us or we can be confident in the truth that God is faithful, that he is constant and he's present. He's never changing. He loves us and he calls us his own. 
and I don't know about you, but I would rather place my trust and my focus on the truth of who God is than on my circumstances. And even though I'm like, just like any of you, there are times when there are things that happen in my life and my focus and my attention is entirely on that. And God draws me back and he says, remember, be confident in this thing. I will be faithful. I will be faithful to finish the work. And I love that because God is constant. He is ever-present and he's never-changing. And we need to have that kind of confidence. You know, I'm not saying that we can't have any self-confidence because God made us who we are and he's given us the gifts and the talents and the abilities that we have. And we should use those for his glory. But when our self-confidence takes God out of the picture, that's when we're in trouble. That's when we decide that we elevate ourselves above God and that we don't need him and that we'll call on him when we need him. But right now, I'm pretty confident in what I'm doing and I don't need you. And that's a scary place to be. That's a bad position to be in. One of the stories that I like uh, in the Old Testament, it comes from uh, Numbers chapter 13. In Numbers 13, um, the Israelites are, are in the desert. There's been a ton of things that have gone on. If you haven't read Numbers, you should read it. And you should read 13. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. But in the start of the chapter, the Lord says to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. Now, this is the land that he promised them when they were in Egypt. He said, I'm going to take you out of Egypt, and I'm going to take you to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be theirs. And now it's time. The Lord says, Moses, I need you to send some people into the land to check it out, to spy out the land and see what it's like. And so in verse um, 17, they, they have the names listed there. And then when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go throughout the Negev and on the hill country and he see, see what the land is like, whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many, what kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? How is is it fertile or poor? Are the trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land because it was the season for the first ripe grapes. And so they go into the land. They they spend 40 days in there. They grab grab fruit from the land. In fact, uh, it says in there that they grabbed a cluster of grapes that they put between a stick and two men had to carry, as well as pomegranates and and other fruit. And then um, they spied out the land. They they checked everything out. And it says after 40 days in verse um, 25, the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. And they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community. And they told them, they reported what they saw. And this is what they said. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Um, and here is the fruit. And showed them the fruit. And then came the but. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and they are large. We even saw descendants of Anak there and they went on. But Caleb stood up and he silenced the crowd. He stood up and he silenced the crowd. And this is in verse 30. And he said, we should go up and we should take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Caleb stood up and he said, you know what? God promised us this land. And 
despite what we saw, despite the obstacles that stand in our way, we should go and we should do this. This is the promised land that God gave us. And it says there, the other man stood up. They began to argue with them. They began to put up a fight. They began to say, there's no way we can do this. They stirred up the crowd. They got them all on their side and said, they're too strong. They're too powerful. There's no way we can defeat them. And it literally says that the people rose up and they wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb and the other leaders. Well, they didn't end up going. In fact, everyone that was 20 years old or older would never make it into the promised land. They had to continue to stay in the desert until they were all gone and then the new generation could come in because of their disobedience and their lack of trust. The only ones that could go in would be Joshua and Caleb besides anyone that were under 20. And I love this story because it reminds me to trust God no matter what. No matter what we see in front of us, no matter what we're facing, no matter what we come up against, no matter what scenario may come up in in our path, trust God no matter what. Take a stand and say, you know what? This looks impossible, but trust God. And you know what? The truth is that most of us here, myself included, I'd love to say that I would side with Joshua and Caleb, but the truth is that most of us in here would probably side with the majority, right? We would probably go with the, the people that, is the, the, the more numbers, and we would side with the other 10. And I'd love to say that that wouldn't be me, but so often we see situations that begin to focus on the obstacles and the countless scenarios that stand before us instead of what we really need to do. And I would love to be a person that says, yep, I'm going to be a minority, but so often that's not the case. We see situations and we begin to focus on those obstacles and we begin to say things like, it looks too difficult. I really missed my opportunity. Well, I wish I would have done something when I was younger or if I were only better at. Man, I've done so many terrible things. I don't think I can do that anymore. And we begin to come up with more and more situations and excuses. What if I fail? I don't feel very comfortable. I'm too afraid. That situation looks like a giant, and I feel really small. And the list goes on, right? We come up with all these things that we can say why we don't want to go up against the giant. We don't want to go up against what's standing in our way. The list goes on and on, and we focus on what's in front of us or what we feel inside of us instead of on the promises of God. We, we focus on our situation and our lack of confidence instead of putting our confidence in who God is. If this were a classroom this morning and I handed you paper and pen and I asked you, what are the name of the 10 spies who gave the bad report? How many of you think would pass? Tom, do you got all 10 of them? (laughs) Neither do I, and I've read it several times this week. I still couldn't do it. We don't remember. Why? Because it's insignificant. They gave a bad report. They were dumb. <laughs> no. <laughs> right? It's like, that was stupid. Nobody remembers their name. But if I asked you who the two names are, the people who said, yeah, let's do this. Let's go. Let's take over the land. We all know their names, right? Because they stood for what they believed in. And they were confident in God and what he promised them and what he said he would do. And so we remember them for what they stood for. We have no idea what the names of the other 10 were. 
I have this quote that I read not too long ago. It says, if Christopher Columbus would have turned back, nobody would have blamed him. But nobody would have remembered him either. You know, when we decide not to do what God's called us to do, and we decide, you know what, that looks too hard, it looks too difficult, I'm just going to, you know what, forget it, I'm just going to do my own thing, God's fine with it. But you know what, we're not going to make our stamp on, uh, on the life that we've been called to live. We're not going to make a stand, and, and nobody's going to remember. God's called us to do something significant. And whether it's for anybody else or not, God's called you and I for something significant. And he's put his stamp of approval on it. And all he's asking us is, to, is this. Don't rely on yourself. Don't rely on your abilities. Don't rely on your talents. Trust me. Have, put your confidence in me. Joshua and Caleb were confident that God would do what he said he would do. And they were ready to go and fight. We don't need to rely on our, our abilities. But if you can show our verse, the verse Philippians again, could you guys just say this with me? In Philippians 1.6, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I just, my prayer this morning is that you would ask the Holy Spirit to imprint that on your heart and your mind. That no matter what you're facing, no matter what comes before you, that you would say, I do, not, I do not have the strength and the ability to do this, but I am confident of this one thing, that he who started this work in me, he will be faithful. I don't have to rely on my own ability. I can rely on his. Not confidence in who we are. Self-confidence is basically this, having confidence in oneself right? That's the key word, oneself. And when we have self-confidence, we believe that we can accomplish anything. Again, having self-confidence isn't bad, but when we take God out of the picture, it's a bad thing. And it's during those times that we often, we have failure in our life, we make mistakes, um, faults, errors, all these things begin to happen because we rely on self. And that's why we need God-confidence, we need to put all of our confidence, our abilities, talents, accomplishments, life achievements, everything we have, put that in God. And when we start giving God our confidence to achieve all things through him and for his kingdom, then we start having God confidence. And then we can walk with our heads high and our shoulders back and say, you know what? In myself, I can't do this, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. God wants us confident in him and who we are in him to completely trust him. Here's the thing, you guys. I don't want to do things in my life. I don't want to do things anymore that I am capable of doing. You know why? Because I know me, and I know I'll take the credit for it. It's who I am. It's, it's my nature. It's all of our nature, right? If we can do it, and we've got the power and the energy and all that to do it, and we can do it, and we're successful, we'll take the credit for it. But I want, I want to see God do things in me and through me that I'm absolutely incapable of doing without him. Because I know he'll get all the glory. I know that I'll just, I just say, God, these hands are yours. What I have is yours. Do it. And I know that I'm not going to get credit because I know that I didn't do anything except become available and put my confidence in him. Amen? Amen. I believe God wants us confident. 
and to walk in confidence, but that confidence comes from knowing who he is and who we are in him. So I'm going to give you three things this morning that we can be confident in. Several weeks ago, Pastor Tom gave you four things that began with P, so you'd remember it. I'm going to give you three that begin with P, so you can remember them. There's a lot of P's going on here. Three things that we can be confident in. Number one, his power. We can be confident in his power. I already said this verse, but Philippians uh, 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's his power, his ability in ours. You know, I, I try and I get in the habit of doing certain things. And um, my personality is I get bored with doing things over and over and over again the same way. But there are certain things in my life that I have just made a habit of doing over and over. Um, I ask... I thank the Holy Spirit every single day for his presence in my life. I, all right, let me, let me back up. I try to ask the Holy Spirit every day. I, there are some days that I don't, so I don't want to lie. Uh, but I try every day to, to thank the Holy Spirit for his presence in my life. And then I ask him for, for four things. That he would release revelation of God's heart to my heart. That he would use me to have an impact in other people's lives. That he would strengthen me where I'm weak. And that he would teach me in every area of my life. When I do that, I'm telling God I am not confident in these areas of my life. I know where I'm weak. I know that I need help in a lot of areas of my life. I know that I need him to lead me, guide me, and direct me to those who need to hear the good news. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. There's three other things that I ask God for. I ask him for wisdom to make good decisions and judgment calls. I ask him for favor, favor with God and favor with man. And I ask him for the anointing. Because with the anointing, I know I have his presence and I have his power. And you guys, without his, with his presence and his power, there's nothing that can stand in our way. Because all of a sudden, our confidence is out the door and his confidence builds us up and we walk in that authority. And that's how I want to walk. That's how I want to be. I don't want to be confident. I don't want to rely on my own power. I want to be confident in his power that I can do all things. Again, I'm not very confident in a lot of areas. But I know that if God goes before me, I have his confidence. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. Very common verse. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow weary and tired, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Whatever God has called you to do, there is a supernatural power that is available for us to do it. Anything that he asks you to do, it doesn't matter what stands in your way. It doesn't matter how big the giants are or the mountain is or whatever's standing there. He gives you this supernatural power to overcome it. If God calls you, he will equip you. And he wants you confident that he's pouring his strength into you. That's why we need to rely on him. We push our confidence aside and we say, God, uh, I'm not confident except for one thing. You who started this thing in me will be faithful to complete it. He wants us confident that he's pouring his strength into us so that we can do whatever it takes to overcome those obstacles. So we can be confident in his power. Number two, we can be confident in his promises. I love that. 
There's so many promises in the Bible, you guys, that it would, it would take you, I don't know how long to write them all out. And I don't know how long it would take you to remember them. But let me just say this. We need to know the promises of God and we need to say them over and over in our lives because there are times you're going to wake up in the day and you're not going to feel strong and you're not going to feel worthy and you're not going to feel like anything. But when you begin to cite and rebring back to your remembrance the promises of God and what he says about you and his promises to you, it begins to energize you, bring you a joy and give you confidence. We can trust in his promises. Jesus, I love this verse in Malachi chapter 3, 6. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. His promises are true. They apply to us today. You need to know them in your heart. You need to have them printed on your mind to bring them up and to say them over and over. We used to sing a, a hymn, and some of you will remember this, but uh, uh, one of the hymns that we used to sing, and you know, as a kid growing up in church, whatever, it was, you know, five, five what do they call those? Verses? Stanzas, thank you. Uh, and, and as a kid, you'd just be like, oh, when is this song going to be over? <laughs> but some of those things stick in your mind. And one of those songs that we would sing on a regular basis was standing on the promises I cannot fall. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Resting in my Savior as my all in all. Standing on the promises of God. Sometimes we have nothing more to stand on than His promises. There are things that we will face in this life where we have nothing more than to lean in on God and his promises for us. We can be confident that his promises are true and they work. 2 Peter 1.4 He has given us his very great and precious promises. A reminder, they're ours. They're precious. Use them. I don't know how it was in your family, but growing up, we, when we got to go to Grandma and Grandpa's, it was awesome. One, they had a way better house. I don't know why we always thought that, but it was better. They also had a pool and a whirlpool. That it was, they were a condo, and so we'd just go like a few buildings over, and we'd all go in the pool. So all the cousins would go over there. And there were just things about Grandma and Grandpa's that you always remember, you always cherish and love. My grandma had a magnet on her refrigerator that we all, every time we went in the refrigerator, it was like you always read it. But it wasn't just a magnet. It was something that my grandmother lived on and lived by, and I heard her say it many times. And maybe you've seen the bumper sticker, and it just said, said, simply said this, God said it, I believe it, and that's that. And my grandma was a, a, a pastor's wife, and there were people that come to her, and and have her explain stuff. And I remember, I just remember one specific moment. We was at our family. They were asking her a question. And she just stopped everything. And she said, because God said it. And that's it. That's why. And I'm like, wow, okay, Grandma. But she was firm. It was a promise. God said it. And that's, I don't need to know all the details. God said it. And that's, that's it. That's all I need to know. Standing on the promises of God. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. That's a promise I lean on. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Stand on the promises that God has given us. Be confident in those. John Bloom is uh, the president of Desiring God Ministries. He said this about King David. So what made King David different? 
It was not because he had the self-generated, raw, cool courage of the American action movie hero. No, what fueled David's courage was his confidence in God's promises and God's power to fulfill them. He was not self-confident. He was God-confident. David believed that God would never break his promises. And if Goliath made him himself an obstacle to God's promise, then God could flick him out of the way with a pebble. I love that. <laughs> flick him out of the way with a pebble. The God confidence. David had confidence in God. David also had anything he wanted at his disposal. He had great armies. He had mighty men. He had anything and everything he wanted. He also, he was on God's side. And the Philistines were God's enemy. At any time, David could just go and do whatever he wanted to do. Wipe them out whenever. But David always relied on God. Even though he had all this stuff, he just would go to God. What should I do? Should I go up and fight? Will we be successful? And he would listen and do as God said. In one of the verses, in, uh, I think it's Psalms 20, David says, Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but I will trust in the name of the Lord my God. I will put my confidence in God and not anything else. Not my men, not my army, not my things, but I'll put my confidence and my trust in God. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. I put this in the uh, message Bible. Maybe it's not up there. It says this. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You are not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. Cultivate God confidence. Prepare yourself for God confidence. Acquire, develop self-confidence or God confidence in your life. It's easy. Self-confidence comes natural. We like to build up self. But cultivate a God confidence in your life. Let's not be naive and self-confident. Let's forget about self-confidence and focus on God confidence just like David did. Number three. So we've got his power, we got his promises, and we can be confident in his plan for your life. We know this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. I know the plans that I have for you. You might not know what's in your future. You might not know what's going to happen tomorrow or the next week, month, or year. I have an 18-year-old who has no idea what the future holds. God has a plan. God knows the plan that he has for you. Be confident in that. There are plans for good and not disaster. Psalms 33:11 reminds us, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. We can be confident in this. God knows what he's doing. And he will be faithful to complete it until his return. He will be faithful. People may let you down, things may let you down, but God, our confidence in God, he will finish the work that he started in us. Isaiah 46, 9 through 11 says, Remember the former things, those of long ago. 
I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make know the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east, I summon a bird of prey. From a far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. We can be confident that God has a plan for our lives. We can be confident that he knows what he's doing. We can be confident that he gives us the power to do it. We can be confident that he promised it and he said it, and if he said it, he will do it. God wants us to be confident in him. God wants us to walk in confidence of knowing what we believe and why we believe it, of where we stand with him. We are his sons and his daughters. We are favored. He's constant. He's never changing. He loves you and he calls you his own. Confidence is not contingent upon our circumstances. Our confidence is contingent upon the character of God. That he is who he said he was. He is. And he will do what he said he will do. That's exactly what Joshua and Caleb believed. That's exactly what David believed. It's what Abraham believed. It's what Noah believed. That God would do what he said he would do. And it didn't make sense. Some things didn't have any clarity, but God said it. And they believed it, and that was that. Our confidence is contingent upon the character of God. In the promises and the character of who he is. In 2016, my prayer for you is that you would have a God confidence that will transform your life to start a new beginning and say, you know what? God, you will be. You will be number one. I will put all my hope and all my trust in you. I won't trust in my bank account or my job, my position, anything. My confidence will be in you. And yet you will, you will do what you said you would do in my life. Can we bow our heads? you're here this morning and you have never you have never acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Lord you've never invited him in he's never been number one and this morning you have felt like I need to do something different I need to put God in my life I need him I need his confidence I need his authority his power I need to know his plan. I need to trust his promises. If you're here this morning, you say, that's me. I need, I need that in my life this morning. Would you just raise your hand? Everyone's eyes are closed. Just raise your hand. Just keep them up this morning if that's you. Thank you. Just hands all up everywhere. Thank you. Just keep your hand up. Would you just say this prayer with me? Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you that you willingly gave your life for mine. I ask you to forgive me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Purify my heart. 
And now I ask God that you would take your place, your rightful place in my life. I pray that I'd have God confidence, that you would teach me, that you would help me to live for you, to make you number one, God. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name. Jesus, stand. We're going to have the ministry teams come up in just a few minutes, but I would just like to pray over all of you as we begin 2016. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful that we don't have to rely on our own ability, our own strength. That God, you gave us promises that you would never leave us or forsake us. You've given us all the power that we need. God, would you help us in 2016 to put you in, pl in first place, to put you in position where you should be. That, God, we wouldn't walk in self-confidence. We would walk with a God-confidence of knowing who you are and who you called us to be and what you've called us to do. That, God, no matter where we are in life and what we're doing, that we can walk and we can do those things with a confidence in knowing that you are the center of who we are that you're our creator, that you're our God, that you love us, that you have great plans for us. God, we pray that 2016 would be a year of new beginnings. Change our hearts, oh God. Make us more like you, Jesus. Come in power. We ask this in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Feel free to go. We're going to have the ministry teams up here.